to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. And as we continue to worship together this morning, we now will turn to the word of the Lord. Our scripture passage this morning comes from the gospel according to Matthew. I'm going to read in the second chapter, and we're going to read the whole chapter. So I would invite you to listen now to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 23. Listen now for the word of the Lord. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men came from the east, came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born of the king of Jews? For we observed his star at the rising, and we have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out there. They set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country, by another road. Now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all of the children in and around Bethlehem who were two two years old and under, according to the time that he learned from the wise men. Then Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up and take the child and his mother and go to to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judah in the place of his father, Herod, 
he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us join together in prayer. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. And may your word be more than just words to us, and we more than only hearers, but doers. In Christ's name, amen. Well, Christmas has come and gone for another year. And typically, Christmases are all pretty familiar, pretty normal, pretty similar, comforting, sort of like a happily recurring experience that we can count on at the end of of every year. Usually, typically, at least for a few days, even a few weeks, we get to live in in sort of a, a fairy tale world. A world of lights and, and trees. A world of, of children being especially careful to be good. And even adults being unusually nice and kind to each other, a a magical world of elves and angels, a land of, of once upon a time. But this year, as as we all know so well, almost everything has been different. Almost everything has changed. And because this year has has been so different, has been so upside down and, and sort of backwards, especially this year, maybe even especially this Christmas, we've lived in a world that likely is a world that that Matthew would have recognized. A world that was much like the world that Matthew lived in. A world where instead of jolly old Saint Nick with his sleigh and reindeer and toys and presents, we've we've got a heavy transport truck loaded with cartons of food and and one box marked with the word VACCINE in all caps. In place of happy little elves in festive costumes, we've got doctors and nurses decked out in in all sorts of PPE and terribly, horribly negative and at best half-true campaign ads and, and police, even troops, at ready on the very streets of our cities. And it's in the midst of a world just like that that we read In the time of Herod the king, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. 
For Matthew wrote of a chaotic time, a time when everyone was was well aware of the the perilous world situation and when everyone knew, or, or at least knew of, King Herod. Herod the Great. Herod the King, who ruled Palestine for 34 years and and undertook massive building projects like Caesarea Maritima, the -the state-of-the-art port city on the Mediterranean Sea, and Masada, the hilltop fortress and palace down by the Dead Sea, and Masharis, Masada's twin, across the Dead Sea in Jordan, the place where where later John the Baptist would be imprisoned and, and beheaded. Powerful King Herod, who built amazingly modern structures like the Herodium, his own elaborate tomb just outside of Jerusalem, an incredible architectural site designed to be a a shrine, but a place where no one has ever worshiped. Not to mention many amphitheaters and hippodromes and shrines and fortifications and aqueducts and forums and roads. He created new cities and restored old cities and built magnificent magnificent fountains and and built new cities and restored old cities and and magnificent fountains and so many achievements during his reign. But his crowning achievement just might have been that he oversaw the building, the restoration, and the expansion of the magnificent temple in Jerusalem. And yet by the time of Jesus' birth, that same King Herod had allowed power to corrupt him so much that he had become nothing more than an overbearing, self-centered, paranoid bully. He'd become a power-hungry narcissist who surrounded himself with only those who said what he wanted to hear and those who agreed with him no matter what. He had become a merciless tyrant who even condemned to death several of his own wives, including his favorite wife, and her grandfather and mother, and his own brother, and three of his own sons, and at least two of his own grandsons not to mention all sorts of lesser folks not related to him, folks who dared irritate his royal pride. In fact, it's reported that this very King Herod, knowing that there would be few, if any, tears at his death, while on his deathbed ordered his soldiers to arrest and to detain and then at the very moment of his death, execute some of the leading citizens of Jerusalem just so there would be mourning and crying when he died. 
And Matthew, in telling us about this world and this troubled king and about the birth of this child, tells us that there was, in fact, great mourning and crying not long after Jesus' birth. But it was because at King Herod's orders, soldiers stormed the little village of Bethlehem and quite unceremoniously murdered every male infant under the age of two. And yet, in the midst of our wanting the annual celebration of the birth of the child to be a happy and joyous time and and wanting it to sound more like a fairy tale than an episode of Law and Order, we usually gloss over that part of the story in the days before Christmas, even skip it altogether. Some years ago at at a Christmas Eve service, some wonderful members of the church I was serving at the time brought with them their son to the service. He was home from college for the holidays. Now, it's not really unusual that a family might bring their college son with them uh, to the Christmas Eve service. After all, this young man was a member of the church. He'd been uh, fairly active in the youth program. But his mother had only days before expressed to me her great concern that while he'd been away at college, he'd become increasingly cynical, even skeptical even hostile toward religion and especially towards Christianity. The two of them had gotten into several rather heated phone arguments and she was very concerned that he had lost his faith altogether in just the semester that he had been at school. So with all that, I was a a little surprised to see him in church on Christmas Eve. Well, after the service, they sought me out, and and the young man, smiling broadly, looked me in the eyes and said to me, Randy, I've got it figured out. I've figured out why people like Christmas so much. (laughs) Oh, why is that? It's the baby. A baby is so non-threatening, the the whole Christmas thing is just one extended, happy, feel-good event. It's nothing more than a make-believe story that that everyone can get behind and and participate in and enjoy. Now, obviously, it wasn't the time to, to get into a discussion with him, but he couldn't have been more wrong. For at the very heart of Matthew's story is a baby who poses such a dire threat to one of the most powerful rulers in the world that that ruler goes to incredibly violent and horrible lengths to destroy him. The truth is the Prince of Peace was born into a world that was anything but normal and usual and peaceful. In fact, it's very telling I think that Matthew always referred to him, first to him as King Herod. That is, until the Magi find him in the manger and worship him. But after that, Matthew never refers to Herod as king again. Or as commentator Dale Bruner puts it, 
the Magi's worship of Jesus is Herod's demise and at the same time, Jesus' coronation. For wherever else you, you might say about Jesus, from his very birth on, people found him to be very threatening. In fact, Matthew tells us that all Jerusalem was threatened. And if you studied this period of history at all, it quickly becomes clear that the king's troubles, the, the leader's troubles, in this case, King Herod's troubles, always, almost always become the people's troubles. For King Herod's attitude and his tendency to put some people down and to blame others and, and to take no credit for his mistakes, his tendency to question any authority other than his had a way of rubbing off on the Palestinian citizens and, and a way of creating chaos and division and promoting hatred and violence throughout the country. And that's still often true today. For even today, you can't visit that land and, and miss Herod's negative as well as his positive impact. For because Herod ruled with an ever-increasing paranoia, toward the end of his reign, he believed everyone was out to get him, and he trusted no one. And as his power increased, so did his cruel and terrible acts. A common truth of tyrants from that day to this. Writer Eugene Peterson says these things about Herod. He says, during the last years of his life, his proclivities to cruelty accelerated. He became a virtual monster, massacring at will anyone who dared cross him. Mass executions were routine. This is the Herod that would not bat an eye at the thought of murdering all of a town's innocent toddlers just so that one of them could not become a royal contender. And thus this baby, this Jesus, was born in a land and at a time that was anything but non-threatening. And like that young college student's image of Christmas, sometimes our image of that first nativity is more hallmark than it is Matthew. But here in the church, maybe especially this year, when in so many ways so many things have been so much out of whack, I think it's important to remember not only the state of the world then, but also one important truth. One important truth about that time as well as this time. And that truth is this. That child lives and King Herod is dead. That's what Matthew's version of the Christmas story reminds us. Herod is dead. And even though a thousand other tyrants and would-be tyrants have since risen up and may still rise up and may still condemn children and tell lies and promote division and promote hatred and order violence and fear, nonetheless, Herod is dead. And those like Herod will die also, but people of faith 
hear this clearly, that child lives. That child of promise, the child Emmanuel, the child God with us, the child Prince of Peace, lives. That new king lives and grows within us and within this troubled world. And of his growth and of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Herod is dead, but that child, that king, lives. And the powers of death and darkness shall not prevail against him. That's the message we're given by Matthew for this, the first Sunday after Christmas. That's the message we're given by Matthew for this troubled time, for this troubled world, for this upside down time and world. That's the message we're given by Matthew for all time. And that's the the proclamation the church bears witness to by its very existence. The king is dead. Long live the king of kings. Herod is dead, but Jesus the Christ is alive. Good news of great joy to all people. And I think in spite of what that young college student believed at that moment, that's really the reason. That's really the reason we like Christmas so much. Let us pray. Loving God, redeeming God, Father God of Jesus Christ, come to us again this year in the midst of trouble and turmoil in the face of evil and violence. Come to us and live with us. Our Lord Emmanuel. Amen. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.